This is Bigger Questions, with Andrew Laird filling in for your regular host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, is Jesus relevant today? In this series, we've been considering some of the big claims about the Christian message. And to help us, we have a number of experts join us to help distill truth from myth. And today's topic is, dare I say it, a very relevant one. Uh, how does a figure from 2,000 years ago who lived on the other side of the world have anything to say to our lives in Melbourne in this day and age? Uh, it's a relevant question for us to consider because it's a, it's a question that's often asked by people. And our guest today is someone for whom Jesus is incredibly relevant, a Melbourne pastor from City on a Hill Church, Luke Nelson. Uh, Luke's been involved with City on a Hill since 2007. Uh, he joined the church while working as a graphic designer and he's since joined the staff. Uh, Luke is married, he has three young boys and we're thrilled to have him with us today. Would you please welcome Luke Nelson. Thank you. Thank you. Luke, it's great to have you with us today. Now, you are a, a Christian pastor, so it's probably fair to say that Jesus is relevant in your life, but, but has that always been the case? I would sort of say yes and no. Uh, I grew up in a home where we were taught about God and taught about Jesus uh, all the time. Uh, but to be honest, to be really quite frank, I didn't like God. I was pretty scared of God and uh, Jesus wasn't particularly relevant to me uh, until I was a teenager. You say you didn't like God. Were there particular things about him you didn't yeah, like that you remember? Uh, I think the, the church that I grew up in was very conservative and I felt that God was uh, very strict and that uh, I just had to do the right thing to appease him. I didn't have a, a kind of a close relationship in any sense. You say though in your teenage years, mm. was it that all of a sudden something changed and he yeah. be became relevant? Uh, yeah. What happened? I still remember uh, when I was about 12 or 13, uh, I heard a sermon on Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I was really reminded that God was my creator and that I was answerable to him. And uh, so I really felt like I needed to respond to him in some kind of way. And so I tried to do that that night. Uh, but even then, I didn't really understand Jesus and how grace fit in and how he dealt with sin and the things that I'd done that were wrong. So that took me several years to kind of work that out. I kind of worked through uh, and, and gradually more and more I understood that Jesus had died for sin and that he was here to kind of give me life. Uh, the real big turning point was when I was 21. Uh, I'd just changed churches and I sat down with the pastor there and he said, Luke, Jesus has done it. You know, you can't add to what Jesus has done and you can't take away from it. And, and that was when I truly understood grace uh, and really understood the life that God had given me. So would you say there was even a sense in which there was a, a growing relevance of Jesus in absolutely, your life? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think my, the, the process since then is trying to, trying to work out how to have a relationship with Jesus and, and how to have him relevant in all areas of my life. And that's a growing thing. Do you understand why for some people, perhaps even some here today or some listening, might have the objection that Jesus is irrelevant? Do you understand that, yeah. that objection that people might have? I certainly do. Uh, just this morning, uh, I was looking at an ad that IKEA have put together. It's basically a spoof on Apple, uh, their new catalogue, and, and they've kind of done a similar kind of ad to Apple, but they're, they're playing up the fact that this is an actual book. It's a physical book, and when you turn the pages, you don't have to wait for it to load, and it's there, and there's no battery life. And it, it honestly made me remember how great physical books are. 
<laughs> and that's only in 10 years that that's changed. So you can see that when people hear uh, the words of Jesus or the words of Muhammad or anyone or Siddhartha Gautama, these are words that were said hundreds of years ago. If we've changed this much in 10 years, how can something that someone said 2,000 years ago be relevant? I can certainly see that, that question, uh, but it's certainly um, it's something that I've discovered uh, is relevant, but I can certainly understand why people wonder if it's relevant. So I guess the consideration that it might be irrelevant because of time, but also mm. place as well, yeah, perhaps. Culture. It's a very, very different culture. Yep. And perhaps some of the teachings of the church as well seem to be particularly irrelevant too. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of people feel like uh, we need to update what Jesus has said or, or uh, uh, apply something different. And Yeah, I can, I can see why people would, would think that. So that's the question that people might have, that the Christian faith is irrelevant. You're here today saying, look, I, I think Jesus is profoundly relevant. And even though he lived on the other side of the world 2,000 years ago, he's got something to say to, mm. to my life and perhaps others' lives today. Mm -hmm. you, you've chosen a passage um, from the Bible for us. Uh, it's from uh, one of the biographies of Jesus' life written by Matthew. Uh, and it's at the very end of Jesus' time on earth. It's Matthew 28. And it's almost like a, a mission statement. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Luke, this is a statement made by Jesus to his followers 2,000 years ago. Uh, how do you see that as helping us understand Jesus' relevance for us today? Mm. Well, I think the first thing it says is that Jesus has all authority. Uh, he says, you know, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's saying that, that Jesus has a right to speak into our lives. Uh, that's because he's the creator. He made us. And also it's because he's our saviour. He saved us. He, he, he has lordship because he died for our sins and rose. And the resurrection proved that uh, he was unique, he was different, and uh, that he has the right to be lord. So if he's the creator and my saviour, then he has a right to speak into my life. He's relevant to me. If he's my creator, then he's going to tell me why I've been made. He's going to give me a direction of what his purpose was in that. And if he saved me, then I want to understand what he saved me for, what he saved me from, and, and what he saved me for. Uh, so I want to I learn, learn that. So he's relevant for one thing because he has all authority. And then also this passage tells me that he is relevant because he's for all people. Uh, he tells his disciples to go and make disciples to all nations. Uh, so he really wants this message to be passed on. And that's what it was. So we, we speak about the message of Jesus as the gospel. Uh, which literally means good news. It's something that you declare, something that you inform and tell other people about. It's something that you share on Facebook. And, and as that happens, it goes viral. And that's what happens with Christianity. Uh, by 300 AD, there were 30 million Christians around the world. That was half of the Roman world. It was the first global religion. And it's continued to pass on as, as God's people have shared what they learnt, as God's followers uh, passed on what they'd heard and, and discovered, it just kind of fl uh, spread and spread and spread because the news was so good and so valuable and important. So it made its way all the way down here, just on top of the, the bottom of the world uh, down here in Melbourne. So it, it's relevant to all people. He has all authority. It's relevant to all people. And finally, it's for all time. Uh, so he says, go and make disciples and I'll be with you to the end of the age. Now, it's, at first you kind of think, why is he saying that? Because two minutes later he disappears up into heaven. Um, how is he with us to the end of the age? 
Well, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus promised that he would give his disciples the helper, the Holy Spirit, uh, who would dwell in us and with us. And so Jesus, even though he ascended up into heaven, his spirit remains with us. He dwells with us through the spirit. And so what happens is when I, I read a story about Jesus, when I read what the disciples said about Jesus, the, the spirit is within me and it echoes that. It, it responds to that. And so it teaches me how I want to, uh, it teaches me how to make Jesus's life relevant every day. So uh, Jesus is relevant because he has all authority. He's got a message for all people. And that message is, is for all time. Uh, that's why I think he's relevant. Can I pick you up on a couple of, a couple mm, of things there? You mentioned the, the, the going viral. Yeah. Um, does that going viral aspect of this message that Jesus gave to this you know, band of followers 2,000 years in some ways, I guess, speak to its relevance? The fact that they thought it was relevant and passed it to others and others thought it was relevant and passed it to others? Yeah, absolutely. There, there was something um, remarkable about it, actually. There's a book called The Rise of Christianity by Rodney Stark, and he's a sociologist who was not a Christian, uh, and he was writing about the history of Christianity, and he talked about how there was something radical about this faith that just meant that it grew exponentially. It just exploded because there was something remarkable about it. Interestingly, in the course of writing the book, apparently he became a Christian himself. So right. there's something, there's something <laughs> the very... gripped him yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. There's something very <laughs> profound about it, and, and it, it changes people in a radical way, uh, and, and that just inspires interest. You mentioned a number of times as well when you were, when you were, I guess, unpacking this mission statement from Jesus, the fact that he, he's a saviour and saves from sin. I guess for some people they might think, well, I don't see sin as being a particular issue in my life and therefore what do I need a saviour for? He's mm. therefore irrelevant to me. Yeah. Why might that not be the case or why do you think that's not the case? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting that he says, go and make disciples. What he's saying is he wants people to have a relationship with Jesus. So really at the heart of Christianity is the idea that we follow Jesus, that we live with our creator, that we follow his plan for our life. So to me, sin is when we ignore our creator, when we ignore his purpose for our life, because he's actually got this amazing vision for us. So sin is when we choose our own path rather than follow him and, and live in relationship with him. So I think Jesus is saying just have a relationship with me and then you'll discover true life you'll discover something profound and explosive and uh, expansive life to the full as he life to he the says full. in one of his other yeah, biographies right. <clears throat> yeah listen it mentions also obeying his commands mm. um, that might be a, I guess a, a an obstacle for some of us as well and, and and some of those commands we might think well actually they're pretty dated but but is there a sense in which those commands are timeless? Yeah, I, I think they are because the commands match up to... Uh, they, they express uh, God's picture for us. The Bible says that we're made in God's image. So we're made to be like him. We're made to reflect him. And there's something timeless about that because God is timeless. So all humans in all times uh, respond to God and, and reflect him. And those laws or commands that he gives us really just encapsulate that give us a guide to what it should look like. Um, and th they really direct our path so that we can work out how to do that. Um, so I, I think they're always relevant because they reveal God's character, which reveals what we should be like. So if God's way of living is best, and it was best 2,000 years ago, it'll still be the best way to live today. That's right, yeah. You mentioned, uh, I think, in conversation that we were having um, prior to today, that for you this is almost a statement of a leader as well. Mm. Uh, it, it has the authority of a leader. It's a leadership statement. Mm. Do you want to unpack 
what you like about that aspect of these few verses and how that has some relevance to yeah. your life as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is an extraordinary example of leadership at a purely pragmatic level. Uh, there's In 60 words, he, he basically gives the most beautiful vision statement. So he says, first of all, he says, here's my authority. This is why I'm setting the, the course for your life. And then he gives the vision. He tells them exactly what they need to do. Go and make disciples. He's giving them a task that's clear and it's also compelling. It's exciting. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. There's something really dramatic and expansive about that. And then he also uh, says exactly how they're going to do it. Teach them how to... The stuff that I taught you, you pass that on. So this is skills that they already have, uh, knowledge that they've already picked up. And then finally, he offers them total support. I'll be with you to the end of the age. So he's really the perfect boss. He's, he's giving a very clear and compelling vision and he's giving them the tools to fulfil it uh, and promising the encouragement and support as they do that. Uh, it's remarkable leadership. And so that compelling leadership, I guess, is what captures some people mm. even still 2,000 oh. years later as they, they come and read of him, see something of him and, and are captured by the way he led. That's right, absolutely. So those first disciples had a three-dimensional sensory experience of Jesus. But we... Uh, we still have this vivid picture of Jesus through the Gospels and, and there's so much that we can learn from it. Now, I didn't read this part out before, but just mm. immediately before his mission statement, there's something that's very interesting to me. Mm. Uh, it describes those who, are, who have gathered around Jesus and who are listening to, to him. And what's really striking to me is that it says some who are listening saw him and they worshipped him. But then it says that there's others standing there listening to him and they, they doubted in him. And so... I'm wondering, if we're weighing up, you know, the relevance of Jesus, uh, is it okay there for, for to, to be some doubt in our minds about mm, him, perhaps? Absolutely. And, and uh, speaking from my own experience and the experience of uh, many of the people that I've ministered to and with, uh, doubt is a big part of our experience. And it makes sense. I mean, Jesus made some remarkable claims. He claimed that he was God. He claimed that he could forgive sins. He explained that the way that he would forgive sins would be to die and then he would rise again from the dead. Like, that's whacked. Like, yeah. that, that's, that's just remarkable. And uh, there's a few ways that we can respond to it. I mean, I love C.S. Lewis when he, he writes about this as the three options that we have. Either we can say that he was a lunatic and just dismiss him. Mm. Um, but then we have to question why his words have remained so powerful for 2,000 years. Alternatively, we could say that he's a liar but if we do that, then I think we've got to get rid of this kind of obnoxious idea that he's a nice moral teacher. You know, a lot of people say that Jesus is a good guy, but if he's a liar, then he's led millions of people down the garden path. And, and so I don't respect him if he's a liar. The third option, though, is that he's the Lord, that he's actually real. And, and I think um, if the resurrection happened, and I believe it did, then that is a profound moment. Mm. And, and I want to bring my doubts to that story. I want to bring my doubts to his claims and really explore them and investigate them and then see what I want to do to respond. So if you're doubting, don't, don't rush away from Jesus at this point. Yeah. Now hold on to those doubts and just, <clears throat> just keep looking and seeing if he is relevant. Absolutely. And I, and I think to do that, just um, speak to the people around you who are Christians. Um, uh, go to a church where they're exploring these things. Uh, if you've got doubts, then explore them with us and see what Jesus says. So that mission statement, Jesus says, he's got a message that's for all time, it's for all people, it's for all nations. Uh, he says he's got a message which is relevant, regardless of where we come in history. 
And in particular, he's got commands, a way of living, which is the best way to live. Mm -hmm. I want to put you on the spot now. Yeah. Let's see if the rubber really hits the road. Yeah, you're, totally. you're sitting here claiming that Jesus is, is relevant for all of life. Uh, let's, let's see how he is relevant in your life. Let me, let me hit you with perhaps uh, four big areas of life. Okay. And can you unpack yeah. how Jesus' commands 2,000 years ago still has relevance mm. in your life today? So here's number one. How is Jesus relevant in your home? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, another book of the New Testament, Ephesians, it's a letter to one of the first churches. It talks about how marriage is a picture of the gospel, a picture of Jesus' relationship with his church. Basically, that tells me that in my marriage, I'm supposed to be expressing God's relationship with me. I'm supposed to be loving my wife in a sacrificial way, just like Jesus loves me. So that really shapes the way I try and live my marriage. It also gives me the freedom to... Um, to forgive my wife because Christ has forgiven me. It gives me the, the freedom to acknowledge my sin because Christ has forgiven my sin. So there's a, there's a freedom in, in, in me being able to express sin. I don't have to prove something. Uh, so that's really significant. And then in terms of my kids, I want to really make it clear to them that it's not about rules. It's not about doing stuff for Jesus that'll just impress him or win him over. It's about a relationship. I want them to become disciples, followers of Jesus. So that really shapes how I live at home, trying to understand Christ for myself and share Christ with the people that I love the most. And have you found that living Jesus' way in your home is the best way to live? Yeah, I, I honestly, um, my wife and I, we love a good fight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and th I think the gospel gives us that freedom. And I'm often thinking, gee, if, if the gospel didn't give us the freedom to fight, the freedom to forgive and to, f to make peace with each other, mm. I don't know how we'd keep going. Mm. Really, really hard. Okay, that's the home. How is Jesus relevant in, in your friendships? Yeah. What I love about Jesus is you just watch him in the Gospels and he's uh, a remarkable friend to all kinds of people. So the, the Gospel tells me that I need to be friends with everybody, <laughs> that I need to love everybody, and that it's, it's not just kind of tolerance. It's not just putting up with people. I actually need to go beyond that. I need to love them. And even beyond that, he calls me to like them. Um, if that makes sense. So Jesus doesn't just kind of love me and put up with me. He actually likes me. Uh, he actually wants to be around me. He cherishes the time that he has with me. So that tells me that in my friendships, I need to be pursuing that as well. I need to be going above and beyond and, and seeking to serve my friends, seeking to love all kinds of people, particularly people who others might reject. So I need to show them that Jesus envelops all people and he welcomes all people. And you say living Jesus' way when it comes to friendships has really enhanced those relationships too? Yeah, for sure. I, I think going back to the idea of peacemaking. Like Jesus mm. didn't just keep the peace. He didn't put stuff under the carpet. He actually dealt with us and he made peace by coming and dying for it. So it tells me that I need to make peace in my relationships. Third one, how is Jesus relevant in your work? And not just because you get to preach about him every <laughs> yeah. week, but how, how, how yeah, does exactly. he have relevance to the way you go about your work? Yeah, well, I was recently just um, speaking on this topic and, and um, how Jesus... Whatever work we do, if we're living with Jesus, we're working for Jesus. We're working with him. Uh, so he's my boss. Uh, we actually don't have a position of senior pastor at City on a Hill. We say that Jesus is a senior pastor. And um, we love working with him. He's the best boss. So it, working with him gives me a purpose. It gives me a mission. It gives me a reason to be doing what I'm doing. It also gives me um, a spur to work well. Like, mm. 
I want to be doing whatever I'm doing uh, in a way that honours him. So if I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's, I should be flipping the burgers as if I'm making a burger for Jesus. You know, <laughs> um, If I'm preaching, I need to be preparing so Jesus will be listening for that. Um, and it also gives me expectation because Jesus promises that he'll honour the work that we do. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. I, I really enjoy that. It gives me motivation and it gives me joy in my work. I don't know what Jesus wants to have on his burger. With yeah, exactly. Ordering. That's right. The um, lot. He's, he's infinite. So. Now, a slightly more sobering one, fourth mm. one. How is Jesus relevant when it comes to death? Yeah, that's right. Death is a profound obviously reality for all of us and a very troubling thing uh, to me one of my favorite passages of jesus is john 11 where he's at the graveside of one of his mates lazarus and we're told that when jesus sees the crowds and he realizes lazarus is dead he weeps and, and actually the word there in the greek apparently is more like a horse kind of stomping his feet like there's, mm. there's an anger that jesus has towards death because that was not part of his plan he made the world and sin wasn't a part of it. Uh, sin came into the world, invaded his world, and so, uh, it, uh, Jesus chased it down effectively. Jesus came to, to, to get rid of sin. And so I love that Jesus cried at the grave. Mm. I love that he hates death. And I love that he did something to, do, to deal with it. So he died on the cross to, to get rid of sin. And so uh, I'll die physically, but I won't die spiritually. And that's because of Jesus' triumph. So in death, that gives me... This, the, the joy that Jesus is with me, he, he's opposed to death and he'll walk me through it. So that's what I hope for. And there's a hope, you'll say, yeah. in death because of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then later he speaks about how he's making a new heaven and a new earth. He's not just going to do away with this place. He's going to renew it and refresh it. So that's his plan and that's, that excites me. So Jesus seems to have a, a, a relevance both for life how we live now mm. and death as well. It's, a, it's an all-encompassing mm. relevance. Mm. And you're convinced of his relevance in, yeah. in both of those ways, in life and in death, is that right? Yeah, and I, I believe it and I experience it. Uh, interestingly, in my job, um, I get to meet up with a lot of people and I see what Jesus has done in people's lives. Uh, sometimes they come to... Uh, sometimes it's triumphant and it's really exciting to see what God has done. Other times they're troubled. And I see Jesus, it feels like the pieces of their life are like a jigsaw puzzle on, on the ground. And I feel like Jesus is telling me how to pick those pieces up. Um, but most of all, he's the one who's pastoring. Just recently, um, I was really inspired to pray for some people in my church. And I just was waiting basically to think, okay, who am I going to pray for? And I felt God was laying on my heart several people. And so I asked them, is there anything I can pray for you about? And straight away they said, oh, I can't believe that you asked me to for prayer points right now because there's you know my uncle died yesterday or someone got my message when they were in the pharmacy waiting for some uh, antidepressant uh, medication and they're just going through a really difficult time and it was obvious to me that Jesus isn't just the senior pastor on our org chart he's actually the senior pastor on the ground he's actually pastoring my church through me uh, ministry more and more I realize is me being there when Jesus does stuff and uh, that's, that's just awesome so my faith in Jesus is uh, enlivened by my experience for sure and so that, I guess there's examples you're just saying there of where you see his relevance not just in your life but in countless mm. different lives yeah every and, week and the church that we're a part of is around 1200 people and they spread across all different cultures uh, all different ages different experiences some have had horrible experiences some have had normal conservative boring experiences whatever it is 
but Jesus has touched this crazy amount of people and, and he's, he's relevant. I see it every week. Now, I have some questions from our live audience here today. The question is this. It's a, it's a fairly long one, but here it is. You look at the present world leadership situation. Do you see Jesus relevant there? Leaders like Putin, Merkel, Trump, etc. What relevance does Jesus have in the historic situation of the world today where we're fighting each other, we're killing each other, we're lying to each other, every world leader lies to each other? Where is Jesus in all this? What do you make of that, Luke? It's an excellent question. So I would say I've seen Jesus' relevance in my life and in the life of many individuals around me and I've seen how that transforms the way I relate to other people. And I've seen how that transforms the way other people love and care for other people. And so I know that if the great leaders of our world sought Jesus out, if they sought his... They're not at the moment, which is really sad, but I think if they did, then we would see transformation. But you could come back and say that these world leaders aren't seeking him. I don't think that means that he's not relevant. I think that they're not listening. I firmly believe that the Bible is relevant and Jesus' example is relevant. And where it's followed and, and sought out... We see transformation. We've seen that for the last 2,000 years. And I guess we could say that the very fact that there perhaps is an irrelevance um, in some of those leaders' lives, not knowing them, but, but, but guessing that in some of their lives Jesus is irrelevant to them, that perhaps is, is, is why there is some of the mess that there, yeah. there is. I, I, I think so, because, um, I mean, the Bible speaks about that. When we, when we ignore God, things go out of whack. It just happens. I've seen that in, in my own life. But will leaders listen? Well, what is remarkable, uh, let's take an example like um, LBJ, Lyndon Johnson in the 60s. So Billy Graham uh, had a profound influence in his life and actually led him to Jesus. And um, he said, you know, at my funeral, I just want you to say the message, Billy, and I want you to tell people about Jesus. So that was an example of a leader seeking out Jesus and uh, responding to him. And that would have given him a, a new way of approaching his leadership. Well, perhaps this is in the private life, but will it influence their public life too? I think it can even influence and shape that. It, it's tricky, but Christians can be in all levels and all spaces. And, and when we see Christians responding, we see wisdom. I've got a friend who uh, was head of the Fair Pay Commission and uh, he came into the role and they said, oh, so you're a Christian. Are you going to pray about the next fair pay decision yeah I am and everyone kind of laughed him down and interestingly when he his decision came out it was really clear that it was bang in the middle like the businesses were like oh actually that's pretty wise and, and other and unions and so on were like that's that's wise like it it was wise yeah. Jesus led him into wisdom and I think yeah. that, that's true Luke we've, we've explored the question of the relevance of Jesus today so in your mind myth or truth Jesus is irrelevant uh, that is a myth he is relevant I would say that he is Lord and Savior and uh, he wants to give me life and I want to explore that life and as you've done that I guess the proof has been in the pudding in some ways as you've cited those examples from your own life as well hopefully and and I very much recognize that if Jesus is relevant then he'll change my life and he'll make it attractive to others Thanks for sharing with us today, Luke. It's been a pleasure. Uh, let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, is Jesus relevant today? From Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Luke Nelson. 
Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.